What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the JT Sports Podcast, man. I'm your host, JT. Football season is in full swing, people. Week one of the college football season is already in the books, and week one of the NFL season is only a few days away. We got Lions Chiefs. Who you guys got? I'm going to be giving my preview and prediction of that game later on in this episode. We got to discuss a lot of college football, man. Coach Prime is making noise. He told y'all before the season started, we coming. And Colorado has arrived. And I think they're legit. What about Florida State, though? They made a statement against LSU last night. And I was saying throughout the last couple of weeks, I felt Florida State was in a prove-it game against LSU. They had to win that game to show people they were legit. And now with that win against LSU, what does that mean for Florida State moving forward? What does, what does that win show us about how good Florida State is as a team? Now, Alabama... They got a big game against Texas at home in Tuscaloosa. And there have only been two teams in the last couple of years that have beaten Alabama at home. Most recently, that championship, Joe Burrow-led LSU team in 2019. And a few years back, I believe 2015, when Hugh Freeze was the head coach at Ole Miss. So can Texas take down Alabama? We'll see. But will Jalen Milrow be able to lead Alabama to a win against Texas? Can Alabama fans trust Jalen Milrow? And then we're going to be touching on Anthony Richardson making his debut. What can we expect? And I got some strong opinions going into the Tennessee Titans versus New Orleans Saints showdown week one. Before we start, if you haven't already, leave us with a five-star review. We're not just available on YouTube. You can find us on all podcasting platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon. If you enjoy the podcast and you want to support us, make sure that you give us a five-star review. It only takes 30 seconds to do. It's the best way to support the channel. And plus, if you have a question that you would like answered, Leave it in your review. I will always answer a question that I see in the podcast review section. Let's get into it, man. Colorado shocked the damn college football world when they upset TCU 45-42. to Now, what you may be thinking right now, if you are a Deion Sanders hater after that win, is that, oh, TCU just wasn't a good team. It was a fluke win. Let me give you guys a harsh reality check. Deion Sanders has been a winner his whole entire life. He's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the greatest cornerbacks to ever play the game of football. He's one of the most recognizable athletes ever. And with him being the head coach at Colorado, he has an advantage that most head coaches don't have. You see... Deion Sanders can walk into a five-star recruit's living room and they're always going to be open ears. You want to know why? Because it's Deion Sanders. Even though Deion Sanders doesn't have the proven track record that Kirby Smart and Nick Saban have as head coaches, the fact that he's Deion Sanders, he's a NFL Hall of Famer, is just going to allow him to be in the running for the majority of top-level recruits that's out there. And with this win... 
the recruiting for Colorado is going to skyrocket even higher because now you can't just say Deion Sanders is a salesman anymore. What he is selling, he's actually delivering. And with that win against TCU, it has shown people and it's shown recruits that Deion is for real, Colorado is for real, and they're trying to win now. And if Colorado, let's say, pulls off an upset against Oregon or USC or Utah, that's going to make Colorado an even more appealing program because it's not just hype. This is a program that Deion Sanders actually has on the right path to become a contender in college football. Colorado also is heading to the Big 12 next year, which also is going to help skyrocket recruiting because they're going to have access to the Texas pipelines, which Deion Sanders already has a lot of familiarity with. Deion Sanders didn't go into Colorado looking to rebuild. He's trying to win now. Shadur Sanders, Travis Hunter were the two big star players in Colorado's win against TCU. You see, what a lot of people overlooked about Colorado was the fact that this team actually has talent. People, the whole entire week leading up to the TCU game, were thinking that Colorado just had a crappy team full of nothing but random guys for the transfer portal that weren't going to work out. It seemed like people forgot that there were hell of Jackson State players that followed Deion Sanders to Colorado, Shadur being one of them and Travis Hunter being the other. And the whole world forgot that Travis Hunter was the number one recruit coming out of high school not too long ago. And last, well, this past weekend, we saw why Travis Hunter was highly touted. I've never seen a player ever dominate as a cornerback shut down the team's best receiver, and then go down on the opposite end of the, go in on the opposite side of the ball, and then dominate that wide receiver. Do you know how disrespectful that is? Travis Hunter is shutting down your opposing best receiver and rounding up your best cornerback or your best whoever you have as your defender guarding him on defense. This dude is literally a one-hand wrecking crew. And I'm really intrigued to see how the NFL is going to view Travis Hunter when he comes out in the next couple of years. Are they going to try to make him play both sides of the football or are they only going to let him play one? And when you think about Shadur Sanders, when you have an elite quarterback in college football, there's not a single game that you can't win. Colorado's schedule is really tough, but with Shadur Sanders and Travis Hunter and Guys like Jimmy Horn Jr., Xavier Weaver, the outstanding freshman running back that they had, there's not a single team on this schedule they can't beat. I don't look at USC and Oregon and look at Colorado in those games as a team that doesn't have a chance to pull off the upset. I think that Colorado has a shot at beating any team on their schedule this year. You don't know what the ceiling is for Colorado, and that's what frightens a lot of people. You see, you thought Colorado just was going to be a team that only wins three, four games, and they were mostly going to be irrelevant. You thought that this was just a media hype train. Well, this is more than just a hype train, people. This isn't just a publicity stunt. This is for real. This is a legitimate football team, and if they beat Nebraska— 
And when they go 3-0, when they squash Colorado State, they're going to be ranked in the top 25. And if they pull off an upset against Oregon or USC, you got to start viewing this team really seriously. Okay? People thought that Colorado was going to be a bummy team mostly, but this team has a lot of potential to be something special this year. I'm trying to tell you guys, I've been saying it all offseason, Deion Sanders ain't go to damn Boulder, Colorado to win some damn three and a half games. They're trying to win now. They're trying to win right away. Colorado, let's say they make it to the Pac-12 championship, which they are good enough to do. Imagine how people are going to view Deion Sanders. If Sonny Dykes can take TCU to the college football playoffs, his first season at TCU, what makes you think that Deion Sanders possibly can't be able to get Colorado to the Pac-12 championship game? Yes, they don't have a defensive line. Their offensive line is questionable, but nobody really has a phenomenal defensive line. USC, their defense is a work in progress. They got some talented players on their defensive line. But I don't think that Colorado is going to be physically outmatched when they go against USC. Same thing for Oregon and Utah. And with the playmakers that Colorado has on the outside, I mean, as long as Shadur Sanders has a little bit of time back there, they're going to carve you up. You don't really need great defense to win in the Pac-12. All of the teams that are projected to win the Pac-12 this year, or at least the top three or top four teams in this conference heading into this season, only about one of them had a solid defense, and that was Utah. USC's defense, Washington's defense, Oregon's defense was trash last year, and we're going to see how improved those defenses are going to be this year. But Colorado with this offense, they can put up points with anybody. When you got an elite quarterback, you got elite talent at wide receiver. You could lose a lot of yards due to sacks, but you can make it up in bunches because you're a big play threat. TCU isn't a bad team. They're not overhyped. They're not overrated. TCU is going to bounce back. It seemed like people overlooked the fact that TCU only had three returning starters on offense and a new offensive coordinator and a new starting quarterback. Of course, things were going to be a little bit rusty for them. The same disadvantages that people thought Colorado had going into those games, TCU had as well. Colorado is a legit team. This isn't a three and a half win team. This isn't a team that's going to be terrible if you have Colorado on your schedule, if you're an Oregon or a USC fan, you should be very afraid when you have to play them because they can ruin your college football playoff hopes and your championship aspirations. Colorado is the last team that you want to see on your schedule if you're a team that's favorite to win the Pac-12 and possibly make it into the college football playoffs. We coming is no longer. We here is the new mantra for Colorado football. But you possibly could say we still come in because there's a lot that Colorado has to prove. TCU was week one. That's a couple of days ago. Now they need to focus their attention to Nebraska and Colorado State for the next two weeks. So there's still a lot that Deion Sanders has to prove because he wants it all. He's trying to make it to the national championship game. Deion Sanders won't be satisfied with anything less than that. That's what he's aiming for. He's not aiming for just improvement. He's trying to win. If you don't get that by now, you need to listen to his post-game press conferences. 
or any of his press conferences, man. He's not thinking about the long term. He's thinking about the right now. You ask him what he wants Colorado to do this season, he wants to win it all. He ain't okay with just making it to a bowl game. Of course, he'll be satisfied, but he wants to win it all. That's his goals. Florida State smashed LSU Sunday night, 45-24. to And if you thought that Florida State was overrated going into this season, you better start rethinking your expectations about this team because they sent the statement to college football on Sunday night. They let the college football world know that the Florida State Seminoles are back, people. We've been waiting for a very long time for a program like Texas, USC, Miami to be back. Florida State is back. You look at who were their most impactful players in their win against LSU. It were the guys that they acquired in the transfer portal. And my homeboys, when we was watching this game, they were asking me, JT, why do you think Florida State is so good? Do you think it's because of the recruiting? The recruiting has taken off. But I think a large reason why Florida State is such a great team this year is because of the talent that they have acquired and developed in the transfer portal. Jordan Travis was a transfer from Louisville when he got to Florida State. He's been under Coach Novell for a couple of years, and he's a seasoned veteran in this system. Johnny Wilson, 6'7", 235, 240 pounds. He needs to work on his fucking hands. But if this dude learns how to catch the football more consistently, he's going to be a future first-round pick in the NFL next year. I don't care what knocks you have against Johnny Wilson. He's 6'7", 235, 240. Do you not know how unstoppable that is? Did you see LSU last night when they were covering Johnny Wilson? They could not stop this man. Keon Coleman. They just got him from the transfer portal this past offseason. Same thing with Jaheim Bell. Their offensive line is really good. They got a good amount of offensive linemen that are starting that they acquired from the transfer portal. Same thing on defense. Florida State has pretty much used the transfer portal and treated it as free agency to build up this team. This is one of the top five most talented rosters in college football this year. You may think that I'm tripping. I'm not tripping. Jaheim Bell, Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman, Florida State has some athletes out there. And that's why Clemson, their reign of terror on that ACC is about to end. You see, I feel like as a coach, you got to be really dumb and stubborn to not take advantage of the transfer portal because it allows you to fix holes that you have. Not every recruit that you get is going to hit. So why would you just waste three, four years trying to continue to recruit and rebuild that position when you can fix that position instantly by getting somebody out the transfer portal? That's what Florida State has done. Jaheim Bell is a freak. He's the most athletic tight end in college football over Brock Bowers, and I stand and live and die on that hill. I love Brock Bowers, but Jaheim Bell is a monster too. Keon Coleman, he had what, three touchdowns the other night? So it's like, when you look at Florida State, this is a team that has so much talent that they've gotten through the transfer portal, 
it just kind of makes it hard to see this team not being able to win the ACC over Clemson this year. Listen, Clemson has a really good program. They got Garrett Riley as their offensive coordinator. They got Dabo Sweeney now, who is kind of starting to change his philosophy. Dabo Sweeney never really liked to hire outside of the program. And now, this past offseason, he goes and he gets Garrett Riley. Who knows? Maybe he may start utilizing the transfer portal once Florida State smashes Clemson, just like how they smashed LSU. Florida State is for real, people. Jordan Travis is a Heisman favorite. Many people think that Jordan Travis has a strong chance to win the Heisman this year. Now, Caleb Williams has given him a run for that. But Jordan Travis, he looks really good. And when you look at the L the LSU defense in the fourth quarter of this game, they had no answer for Florida State's offense. It's like they didn't know who to stop. They didn't know if they should focus all their attention on Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman, or Jaheim Bell. It's like, pick your poison. No matter who you key in on, somebody's going to be open. And Florida State's defensive line got the better of LSU, man. LSU... Allowed Jaden Daniels to get sacked four times. The interior of their offensive line is still not that good. Florida State's defensive line has a lot of talent and a lot of depth. When you're looking at Florida State, you got to start looking at this team as a potential playoff contender because that's how good this team is. They embarrassed LSU. Brian Kelly said that after the game, maybe we're not the team that we thought we were going in. I don't think LSU is a bad team. I don't think that they got to be down on themselves. I just think that they ran into an onslaught and a way better football team than this Florida State. If you thought that Florida State was overhyped, your worst nightmare kind of has started to come true because this team is about to live up to the hype and the expectations. It seems like it's playoff or bust for Florida State. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to our second live stream of the day. Our previous live stream, if you guys were tuned in, it crashed on us. Our software crashed. We greatly apologize for the inconvenience, man. Trust me, it pisses me off, too, when you got to end up starting a whole entirely new live stream. And we had a lot of people on that live, too. It was jumping. We nearly was at two viewers or 10 viewers, excuse me. But... We appreciate everybody that's tuned in for the second live stream of today. So we're going to resume talking about can Alabama trust Jalen Milrow against Texas? Will Anthony Richardson struggle against the Jags? Titans Saints going to be giving you guys my early thoughts on that and my Detroit Lions versus Kansas City Chiefs preview and prediction. Let's talk about Alabama and shout out to everybody in the chat Alabama trounced Middle Tennessee State they beat them boys 56 to 7 they gave them a spanking keeping it PG-13 Jalen Milrow looked damn good against Middle Tennessee State and I know it's Middle Tennessee State but he had one touchdown run his first touchdown run of the game where it looked like the play was about to be a disaster and he turned something into he turned nothing into something he scored the touchdown this dude when he decides to tuck and run is one of the deadliest quarterbacks in all of college football and if he plays really good against texas 
I don't see how Alabama doesn't walk out of that game with the victory. Against Middle Tennessee State, he looked pretty good as a passer. He was 13 of 18. He threw three passing touchdowns, no picks, and he has a really strong arm. His accuracy is hit and miss at times. He does miss some of the easy short throws here and there, but I think if you're Alabama, Jalen Milrow gives you a really good chance at being able to beat Texas. Even though he may not be the best, most polished passer, his athleticism is going to be able to bail you out of a lot of tough situations. And as long as you can keep this game within one score, I don't think that Alabama has anything to really be concerned about. Jalen Milrow was highly talented coming out of high school. He has all the physical tools to be a great quarterback, at least a great collegiate quarterback with how well he runs the football. Alabama and their new offensive coordinator have obviously game planned around Jalen Milrow's skill set. In Texas, they do have a Better defense going into this year's matchup compared to last year, especially with the addition of Jalen Catalan, who transferred from Arkansas. He was one of the better safeties in the SEC last year when he was healthy. So Alabama's offense is definitely going to get tested against Texas, but I definitely think Alabama can have success running the football on that Texas defense. Alabama has one of the best offensive lines in college football. If we're just going off here talent, and that offensive line definitely looked really impressive against Middle Tennessee State. And I know it's Middle Tennessee State. There's not really a lot of takeaways from that game. There's not really a way you can properly judge Alabama due to the talent discrepancy. But that offensive line just had a different attitude in that game that we haven't seen out of the Crimson Tide offensive line in a few years. Against Texas, this is going to be a tight game. It is going to be very close. But Jalen Milrow, I think out of all the quarterbacks that Alabama has on the roster, gives them the best chance to win. With the other quarterbacks, they don't have the athleticism that Jalen Milrow has, and they probably aren't the best passers. Jalen Milrow, he's not a great passer, but at least you can find ways to win with that athleticism. Read options, design quarterback runs. I don't think Texas defense is going to be able to keep Jalen Milrow from breaking off any big runs. He has very good vision. He's kind of like a running back when he decides to run the football. In Alabama, this isn't their first time having to win with a quarterback that has a Jalen Milrow kind of skill set. Y'all remember Blake Sims? When Alabama went all the way to the championship or the playoffs and they got trounced by Ohio State when they had Blake Sims at quarterback, Jalen Milrow is like a way more athletic version of Blake Sims. If Alabama can have success with Blake Sims, they should be able to win with Jalen Milrow. Tommy Reese, he's not a bad offensive coordinator. He's like a B, B-tier offensive coordinator that's on his way up. He was very fantastic at Notre Dame. I think Alabama's offense is in good hands with Jalen Milrow at quarterback. I don't think that Texas is going to be able to completely neutralize Jalen Milrow because of how great of an athlete he is with the ball in his hands. The moves that he's able to put on you, his elusiveness, his vision. I think Jalen Milrow can be trusted against Texas. Anthony Richardson is about to make his NFL debut against the Jacksonville Jaguars, man. And 
I was talking to a few homeboys of mine who are Jaguar fans, and they think that Anthony Richardson is going to struggle and that the Indianapolis Colts are going to get blown out. And it's not going to look pretty for Anthony Richardson in his first official NFL start. But the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? When you think about the Jags' defense in 2022, they were really good against the run. They were 12th in the NFL and rushing yards per game allowed. And this is a unit that didn't really give up a lot of big explosive runs. But they did struggle inside of the red zone. Is the red zone defense going to improve? Is the third down defense going to be improved? The linebacker unit, Devin Lloyd, Foyer Louicon, they're going to have a tough task ahead of them, right? Even though Anthony Richardson is not the greatest passer, trust me, we know that things are going to look pretty ugly if Indianapolis is asking Anthony Richardson to win this game, throwing the football 40 times. But this man runs 4-4-3. He's 6-4, 255 freaking pounds, dog. This is like Derrick Henry at freaking quarterback. It doesn't matter if Anthony Richardson isn't the greatest passer. When you're going against this kind of monster at quarterback, you kind of got to change some things on defense. You can't defend Anthony Richardson with the same personnel that you defend against a pocket passer or any other quarterback. Anthony Richardson's athleticism is going to allow him to get away with a lot of mistakes. Against the Buffalo Bills, if you're going to watch this preseason debut he was stiff arming guys to the ground running dudes over most linebackers in today's NFL do not weigh any more than 230 pounds Anthony Richardson has like a 25 pound advantage on most linebackers and once he gets into the open field it's wrapped these defensive backs already hate tackling as it is there are very few defensive backs that actually try to wrap up anymore so you really think that anybody in the Jaguar secondary really wants to see 255 pounds, 443 in the open field? Good luck. This is a game that could be a lot tougher than what you may expect. Anthony Richardson, he may not have a great day throwing the football, but when he decides to run that thing and he's probably going to be running that rock a lot, Jacksonville's defense may have some issues against this. This isn't your typical dual-threat quarterback. This is Derrick Henry at freaking quarterback, dog. There are not a lot of NFL defenses that have the kind of personnel equipped to slow down an Anthony Richardson. Most linebackers aren't more than 230. So you really think that these linebackers are going to be able to stop Anthony Richardson every single play behind the line of scrimmage? You're going to have to stack the box. And when you stack the box, Anthony Richardson, he's shown the ability that if you give him enough time and you give him some easy throws downfield that he can knock him down seven out of ten times. He may not consistently hit the open field throws downfield, but if you give Anthony Richardson some chances, he can make you pay. He has one of the strongest arms in the NFL. Anthony Richardson... He may have some ups and downs in this game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, but his athleticism and his size make him really challenging to defend against if you're Jacksonville's defensive coordinator. And they weren't good in the red zone. Indianapolis is going to be very good in the red zone with Anthony Richardson at the helm. 
Because that's where his athleticism really makes him a threat in the red zone. When everything's condensed, there's not really a lot of the playbook that you have at your disposal. You got to get really creative down there. And with AR at the helm at QB, 255 pounds, you love the red zone opportunities that you're going to have with him against the Jags defense. Nobody wants to tackle this. And tackling Anthony Richardson can really wear down your defense over the course of four quarters. This man is 250 plus, 4-4-3, running downfield at you. This is Derrick Henry on steroids, but just happens to be able to throw the football really well. The Jaguars, they probably will be Indianapolis, but I think it's going to be a very close game. I don't think anybody should be overlooking Anthony Richardson. Shane Steichen and Jim Irsay and Chris Ballard, they know what they're doing. They trust Anthony Richardson under Shane Steichen's tutelage. Shane Steichen isn't going to put Anthony Richardson in a position where he's completely going to fail. Shane Steichen, if you guys don't know, it's Indianapolis New first-year head coach. He was previously the Philadelphia Eagles offensive coordinator for the last couple of years. He also was Justin Herbert's offensive coordinator his rookie season. So if there's anybody who you can trust to develop a young quarterback, it's Shane Steichen. And trust me, they're going to have a game plan for Anthony Richardson. They wouldn't have made this man the starter if they were going to put him in a situation that's going to destroy his confidence. Anthony Richardson, his size and his athleticism makes him very difficult. Even when you think you have this dude wrapped up behind the line, he's still going to break out, make a couple of guys miss, and he's going to be off to the races. There's only so much you can do and only so much you can do the game plan for somebody with this kind of size and athleticism. It's very rare. Anthony Richardson, with his God-given abilities, is going to allow him to... Make some things happen that most quarterbacks wouldn't be able to make happen in certain situations. There's a reason why he got drafted in the top five. This is a 1% athlete, not just in the NFL, but in the whole entire world. You're not going to find somebody with this size, this speed, this open field, change of direction that Anthony Richardson possesses. It's going to be a little bit challenging for this Jags defense. Yeah, you may have a great game plan to bottle Anthony Richardson up, but once you get to see this dude on the field and in-game action, you're going to find out very quickly that he's going to make a lot of guys miss behind the line of scrimmage, and he's going to make a lot of things happen after contact. You don't want to see Anthony Richardson, and you don't want to try to tackle this guy. It's not going to be easy to get this man down. Even if he makes the wrong read on a read option or a design quarterback run, it's not really going to matter too much because how many players on your defense are equipped to be able to tackle this, man? This size is a problem. This athleticism is a problem. And Jacksonville is going to be the first team that gets to get the first knack at trying to figure out how to slow down Anthony Richardson. And it's a copycat league. So if whatever Jacksonville does works, many teams are going to be implementing that. But sometimes you got to have a particular personnel when you're going against somebody that has Anthony Richardson's skill set. The Jaguars have some solid players on their defensive line. I don't think they got anybody crazy athletic, but they do have... Trayvon Walker, who's going to be really big in a game like this. Trayvon Walker was drafted number one overall last year for situations like this. 
He was a freak coming out of Georgia. He has insane upside. He has insane athleticism. So Trayvon Walker is going to be really big and the Jaguars trying to slow down Anthony Richardson. Same thing with Josh Allen. You're going to need your pass rushers to wrap up and make sure they can get this fool on the ground. And it's easier said than done. 255 running 443. I'm going to reiterate that for the last time. It's not easy to stop. You can put all the guys in the box all you want to, but somebody who's less than 180 pounds is not going to have a great chance at bringing down Anthony Richardson. Once he gets past the front seven, it's wraps. So you really got to allocate all resources to slowing this man down. And if you do that, there's a good possibility that he could beat you over the top throwing the D ball to Alex Pierce. This Jaguars secondary is not that great. They were very inconsistent last year. They gave up a lot of big plays through the air last season. So Jaguar fans can make it seem like they just have a guaranteed win against Anthony Richardson. He's going to struggle. I wouldn't be all that confident about that. Anthony Richardson is a really tricky player to defend against. And most defensive coordinators will tell you that. Even though he can't throw, his athleticism makes him really challenging the game plan for. You may make it seem like it's so easy to slow down the dude who's 6'4", 255 pounds, running 4'4", 3", just because he can't throw the football that effectively. But that doesn't mean that he's not going to be an asset at all. That's why Indianapolis chose to start him, because you can still win games with that. Same way the Bears were winning last year with Justin Fields, despite him not being the most polished passer. Same way the Ravens were winning with Lamar Jackson his rookie season. I'm trying to tell you guys, like, there's a reason why Anthony Richardson is named the starting quarterback. They know it's going to be strong growing pains, but they also know it's a way to win with this fool because his size and athleticism is very rare. Even though we have more and more talented quarterbacks coming out, there are not too many quarterbacks that are going to have the kind of athleticism and size that Anthony Richardson has. And that's going to make him a problem for Jacksonville. You're not playing in the early 2000s or the late 1970s when you had 6'4", 6'3", 245-pound linebackers anymore. These linebackers are smaller. They're sacrificing size for speed, and eventually you're going to have to find somebody who's going to have the physicality to bring this fool down. Like, you go out there and you try to tackle Anthony Richardson. That fool would make you look like a crash dummy. There was a game... A couple of years ago, early into Lamar Jackson's career, where the Ravens had to play the, the New England Patriots. And the New England Patriots, no matter what they did on defense, could not stop Lamar because they didn't have the personnel. You got to have the right personnel to slow something like this down. So don't think that Anthony Richardson, just because he ain't the greatest passer, he's going to struggle in every game because there are teams that are not going to be equipped to slow this fool down when he gets into the open field and when he has one of those games where he just can't be stopped. He's one of those quarterbacks that could go for over 1,200 on the ground this season. Quarterback power, you better watch out. If your linebackers can't get downhill in this game and you're relying on Rayshon Jenkins or Cisco or whoever else in your secondary to be your last line defense against Anthony Richardson, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. It's going to be over with. The Tennessee Titans are going on the road to face off against the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are three-point favorites going into this game, man. And let me tell you guys something. New Orleans is a team that you got to be really really skeptical about they could easily be 
this year's Denver Broncos team. Denver had a lot of hype. They got Russell Wilson. They got Nathaniel Hackett. They had a really talented squad. But when the season rolled around, it turns out Denver wasn't a good football team because they were poorly coached. And the New Orleans Saints, they have a more talented team than Tennessee going into this game. But do you know what gives Tennessee a little bit of an edge in this matchup? Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel is one of the most underappreciated head coaches in the NFL. This fool was winning with Joshua Dobbs at the helm at quarterback. Nearly beat Kansas City on the road in overtime with Malik Willis. And he's going against Dennis Allen, a head coach who has a losing record up to this point in his career, isn't good with clock management, late game situations. He can be a little bit too conservative at times. Coaching in week one is really important because your teams can tend to start a little bit slow. Things can get a little bit sloppy. The New Orleans Saints, they got a really good team, but they may not be the most well-coached team in a game like this, especially week one. A lot of penalties occur. And with this mostly coming down to it being a close game, I kind of like Tennessee. And you really shouldn't be surprised if Tennessee beats New Orleans week one. I think as a matter of fact, this is my biggest lock of this week. I don't like New Orleans as a team this year. I think they're massively overrated. If they had any other head coach but Dennis Allen, let's say they had Sean Payton. I probably would like them to win this game, and I possibly would like them to make it out of the NFC, but they got Dennis Allen, who's not a good head coach. And I think that Mike Vrabel may coach circles around Dennis Allen in a game like this. The reason why I think New Orleans is going to underachieve is that they're going to be able to beat up on the weak teams like the Bucs that have bad coaching, but when they go against a team that has better coaching than them, I think they're going to come up short more times than not. Tennessee isn't one of those teams that you're going to be able to get a fluke win over. They're one of those teams that they embrace going into the fourth quarter. They embrace being underdogs. And Tennessee is the best team in the NFL when it comes to embodying the personality of their head coach. You do not want to find yourself down a touchdown with two minutes left going up against that Tennessee defense if you're Derek Carr in that Saints offense. Tennessee has the advantage on defense. Their secondary is going to be really good. They got a really good front seven. They may have the most underrated defense going into this year. I didn't have them on my top 10 defenses, but they came very close to being on it. Linebacker really good. Speed in the secondary. Jeffrey Simmons is one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL. Tennessee has some dogs on that defense that match up very well against that New Orleans offense. If this is a low-scoring game that results in a final score of less than 20, it favors Tennessee. Tennessee is the kind of team that wants to be in ugly games. They want to go into the fourth quarter in a close game with you. So if New Orleans finds themselves in a competitive game late in the fourth quarter against Tennessee, I think it favors Tennessee. Not just is Tennessee a team that is more equipped to win close games, but what is the biggest determining factor in one possession scores? Special teams and coaching. The Titans have an advantage in a game like this. 
Their offense may not be as talented as the Saints, but I think that their defense is more than equipped to be able to neutralize that New Orleans Saints offense. New Orleans, they got a solid roster, but they are terribly coached, terribly coached. I mean, there were Saints fans who were a little bit mad because they weren't able to nab another linebacker. There's some concerns on that defensive line with the pass rush, with the run defense. I mean, there could be a really good chance that New Orleans ends up struggling against Tennessee in this game. New Orleans is a three-point favorite, but I'm taking Tennessee with the under, and I like them to win outright. And that's the official prediction of mine, man. The New Orleans Saints, I think people are quickly going to find out why this team is heavily overrated and why Dennis Allen isn't it as the head coach of this team. And the Titans are going to be the first team to show everybody why I've been saying New Orleans is fool's gold all offseason. Football is back, people. The NFL regular season is finally here. We got the Detroit Lions taking on the defending, reigning Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, there's a big, big storyline to follow for the Kansas City Chiefs. Star defensive tackle Chris Jones is probably not going to play in this game. Him and Kansas City are at odds with the new contract. And it seems like he may be willing to miss a couple of games until they come to a resolution with his contract disputes. And Chris Jones not playing in this game is a huge disadvantage for Kansas City. Chris Jones, not only is he phenomenal against the run, but he really gets after it. And anytime you have somebody as dominant as what Chris Jones is up front on your defensive line and you lose that, you lose a big advantage when it comes to your pass rushing, your run defense. Detroit has one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. Top 10 at that, top 5 at best. Maybe top 3. Who's going to step up when it comes to the pass rush of Kansas City? George Karloftis, could he be somebody to have a big day in this game? They're going to need somebody else when it comes to their edge rusher position, to step up and be able to get pressure on Jared Goff. Ben Johnson is one of the best offensive coordinators in the NFL. He was interviewed a couple of times for some head coaching opportunities. He more than likely is going to be a head coach next year. The Detroit Lions offense has a lot of talent. They got good receivers. They got Jameer Gibbs at running back. How the hell are you going to game plan for Jameer Gibbs? Jameer Gibbs is an X-factor in this game, right? There are probably some other X-factors that you can look at going into this matchup, but Jameer Gibbs is going to be a difference maker in this game for Detroit because he's starting to usher in this new era of players that are coming into the league called positionless players. Detroit has been playing Jameer Gibbs not just as a running back, but at receiver as well. And he's going to be a mismatch for anybody who's guarding him on that Kansas City Chiefs defense. There's not too many linebackers that are good enough to cover a guy like Jameer Gibbs in coverage because he's a fantastic route runner. And after the catch against most defensive backs, they're not good enough to wrap him up in the open field. Jameer Gibbs could have a really big day against this Kansas City Chiefs defense. And Detroit is a team that loves to throw the full ball deep. Jared Goff is one of the most accurate deep ball throwers in the league. Kansas City, they had a young secondary last year that was able to step up big in the playoffs in big moments. But is this secondary going to be able to be as good 
against a team like Detroit that's going to have a really good offensive line where you don't have Chris Jones being able to get after Jared Goff, that kind of concerns me. Kansas City, even though defensively you may have some concerns about them, they got a shot because they got Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Mr. Big Red on the sideline, Andy Reid. Detroit's defense was terrible at everything last year. They couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop the pass. They couldn't stop a cockroach. They couldn't stop a fly. And if me and you were playing quarterback against the Detroit Lions last season, they probably wouldn't be able to have stopped us neither. But they drastically overhauled this secondary last year. Well, this past offseason, they got Emmanuel Mosley, Cam Sutton, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. They drafted Brian Branch. This is going to be a vastly improved secondary. And if they struggle against Kansas City's offense, you got to start looking at Brian Holmes and you got to ask him, hey, bro, like we spent all this money to improve the secondary and we still getting carved up by quarterbacks. No matter how good Patrick Mahomes is, you spend a lot of money like what Detroit did. You expect that secondary to have some results. This is why you pay big money. This is why you drafted Aiden Hutchinson. This is why you got James Houston. Because you need to be able to slow down Patrick Mahomes in the big moments. Let's face it. This is going to be a game that probably is going to come down to the last possession. I was telling my friend earlier today that I don't think win or lose, Detroit is going to lose by more than one possession. They went 8-2 the second half of last season. They nearly beat Buffalo on Thanksgiving. They got talent on defense now. This defense, if they can't slow down this Chiefs offense in the fourth quarter, it's wraps. I'm sorry, but I think it's kind of money wasted. Aiden Hutchinson really cranked it up a notch during the second half of last year. They need him to be really big in this game. Same thing with James Houston. And the biggest question about Kansas City's offense isn't receiver. They got more than enough talent in that receiver. You got Kadarius Toney, who is going to play in this game. You're going to have Justin Ross, who potentially could be a difference maker. You still got Travis Kelsey. But Kansas City's offensive line, when it comes to their two offensive tackle positions, is a little bit concerning. They paid a lot of money to Jawan Taylor free agency. I think that although he had a good year last year, that was his best season in all his years that he was in Jacksonville. So maybe Kansas City overpaid. We're going to see. He's going to get tested. They got Donovan Smith. Donovan Smith is... He's okay. He didn't have a great season last year, but we'll see if Andy Reid and this Kansas City Chiefs offensive line coach can work some magic with him. But Detroit, if they can get after Mahomes and they can keep him inside the pocket and keep him from escaping and doing all of the crazy things that he does when he breaks outside the pocket, I think they got a really good shot against this team to pull off the upset. This is a really improved secondary in Kansas City. Outside of Travis Kelsey, they don't really have a legitimate number one wide receiver that I think is going to be able to win consistently against Detroit secondary. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson versus Travis Kelsey is going to be a really interesting matchup. You got to be able to slow down Travis Kelsey if you want to be able to slow down Kansas City's offense. And Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, I think he's one of the perfect fits for a guy who could give Travis Kelsey some issues. He can come down, cover Travis Kelsey in coverage, and be able to hold his own. He's also really good against the run. Travis Kelsey versus Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Look up for that matchup, this matchup, 
in this game. It's going to be really big. If they can get Chauncey Gardner-Johnson to slow down Travis Kelsey, I think it's going to be huge for Detroit being able to get key stops in this game. Now, what does concern me about Detroit is that I don't know about their run defense. I think their pass defense is going to be tremendously improved, but I think that this run defense is still going to be an issue. They do got Jack Campbell, who I love a lot. But asking a rookie linebacker going against Patrick Mahomes to be able to understand what Kansas City is going to do when they're changing plays, audibling things, changing things up is a hard task. And the middle linebacker is kind of like the quarterback of your defense. And Kansas City's offense, they throw a lot at you. So Jack Campbell, I like him, but I don't know about the other linebackers that they have. I don't know if Detroit's run defense is going to be great in a game like this. Isaiah Pacheco, we remember how big he was during Kansas City Super Bowl run last year. He was a seven-round pick, and he's a monster. Kansas City, offensively, their offensive tackles are really concerning, but you know with Patrick Mahomes, you're going to be able to put up points as long as Detroit can't keep him from making those big plays. If Detroit can keep Patrick Mahomes from improvising and just allow him to beat him, beat them from within the pocket, I think that this defense can get some stops because of how good their pass rush is. But if you're allowing Patrick Mahomes to get outside the pocket and buy time for receivers to get open, that's when you get in trouble, especially in third down. So the team that I'm going to take to win this game, it was really tough. I'm taking Kansas City, though. They're playing at home. It's really hard to win that arrowhead. It is week one. So there is a good chance for Kansas City to come out slow, come out a little bit sloppy. But I just don't know about Detroit's defense against Patrick Mahomes in this game. I do think that this defense is going to get stops. I don't think that it's going to be a bloodbath defensively. But I think late in this game, with Patrick Mahomes having the ball in his hands, I think he's going to slice and dice this Detroit secondary. And I think that's when Kansas City is going to pull away in this game. I'd like Kansas City to win. 31 to 27 is my final score prediction. I think that Patrick Mahomes gets the ball last and he leads Kansas City downfield and they get a game-winning score to win the game. I like Kansas City over the Detroit Lions week one, Thursday night. This is it for this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. I apologize that our software had malfunctioned earlier, but I'm really excited that football season is in full swing. Tomorrow we're going to be giving our college football single game predictions. We got some really good games coming up. Texas, Alabama, Texas and Miami. We're going to be previewing those games. Also, we're going to be talking some NFL action as well. And we just got a lot of things to be looking forward to on the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, like the video, subscribe to the channel. We go live every day, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Listen to the audio version of the JT Sports Podcast. Give us a five-star review if you want to support us. All you got to do is type in the JT Sports Podcast on Apple or Spotify and it will pop up. Or you can go down to the description down below. Give us a review via the Apple or Spotify links. And I appreciate you guys for tuning in to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. I will see you guys tomorrow.